We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Hit and Run. Hey, bada 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 so we bada. Hey, bada 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 so we bada. Kennedy, 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 so we bada. On 670, the score. And there is Gary Cole tolling the slab at Camden Yards here tonight. It's like you're nobody. And down goes Frazier, two away. Leads the league in strikeouts with 189. If he strikes out 10 guys tonight, that'll be four straight starts with 10 or more strikeouts. No pitcher in the history of the Braves franchise has ever done that. And they go back to 1876. He knew it right away. That is the 10th strikeout of the game. Full count pitch. Got him swinging. Eight for Otani this afternoon. When all else fails, back to the pitch that's been best for him today. Good old country fastball. Corbin Burns makes the start rock. He's been unbelievable. Swing on a miss. Breaking ball down low and away. He picks up his second strikeout tonight. Number 127 on the year for Burns. Kenny McClanahan, who opened last year's season on the mound. Same thing this year. Yeah. Those five pitchers that you heard highlighted right there are the top five starters on the starting pitcher rankings for the final third of the season from our next guest, Eno Saris, who joins us now on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Eno from The Athletic, love talking to you. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Ah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, first of all, I love that you asked the producer, because uh, you're on the West Coast, you said, you asked Sean Sears, I just woke up, did anything happen? Which is, <laughs> that is, that is the magic of this moment. I said at the top of the hour, we'll see if anything happens between now and when we talk to Eno, or now and the mm-hmm. end of my show, which is in about an hour and 45 minutes. So, um, I, I mean, I, I, we are expecting more, and it could be at any moment. It, this, the deadline is is killing it this year. It feels like it's been great fun and intrigue around baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought at the beginning that it might be not great. I mean, the Noah Syndergaard for Ahmed Rosario trade was the headliner at one point. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, we expanded the playoffs. So I, I thought, you know, there are not very many obvious sellers. And even when the Angels bought with getting Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, um, <clears throat> you know, I thought, well, here's a team that I that could have been a seller. I mean, they had a 10%, 15% chance of making the playoffs. If they're buying, then we're going to have four sellers in all of baseball. And, uh, and they're going to be bad teams that nobody wants players off of. I mean, yes, you, the Royals, the A's, you know, those guys are selling, but what do you want? Um, 
And so I thought it might be a bad deadline, but the I think the Mets just changed things pretty hardcore by trading Max Scherzer because they've got a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of silly. It's kind of silly that the White Sox are over here uh, saying they want to be competitive next year, so they're not going to trade Dylan Cease. Um, you know, that's what I'm hearing about the White Sox. And the Mets are like, you know what? Uh, it's fine. You get, you get Max Scherzer for a year and a half, and we get better players back. So the Mets seem to be making a real sale, which means anybody on the Mets other than maybe Lindor is, is up for grabs. Yeah, the Mets ate $35 million um, to get Ronald Acuna's little brother back um, for, for Mac, Max Scherzer. And that is just, that's like just the straight-ahead style of like an NBA trade of eating money um, that I, I, I knew that we've had little hints of it, but now we see it. This is, it's one way to buy a farm system which is a fascinating, fascinating thing here. We've, they've made a few yeah. other deals, right? They've made a few other deals in that regard that end up equating to buying a farm system. So Another thing that's interesting about what they're buying is um, they don't seem to be concerned with a timeline, quote-unquote. You know, the players that they got from um, uh, Miami, what was the other trade? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 the trade of uh, David Robertson to Miami. Robertson, yeah. Uh, the players they yeah, the players they got in that trade are like 17 years old and in, in low A. So, you know, they're just like, hey, we're buying ceiling. We're not going to worry about timeline. We're not going to worry about proximity to the big leagues. Uh, and I think that's smart because we're also seeing around the game, sometimes they will, you will just push a prospect. If a prospect is, is, is doing well, why not get them to the big leagues by 19 or 20? You yeah, know? But, but, as you're, um, but as you're talking about it, you know, and knowing that it's, it's – I mean, Steve Cohen, who loves it and wants to be involved, he literally seems to be thinking about prospects as currency, which, of course, they are, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's willing to use – like you mentioned, he's willing to use payroll – which is not really of his concern right. and, a, and a bit of a sunk cause. He's willing to use that to improve the farm, farm system. Absolutely. So I think, I think Justin Verlander's going, I mean, you just read the tea leaves. If Max Scherzer's gone, then why not Justin Verlander? So if Justin Verlander's going, you know, like anybody could go. Yeah. And, 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 and the currency of those prospects, as long as he grabs high ceilings, those ceilings will stay high and it'll still be a valuable item on the spreadsheet in a year. If he needs to use it for for something else, to uh, buy instead. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty fascinating. He's kind of upending the whole thing. All right, you mentioned the White Sox not willing to trade Dylan Cease, which we of course have heard as well. We've heard that they're not willing to trade Cease and Robert, and uh, we'll see about Eloy. And they might eat. They might keep Tim Anderson, who's got a manageable um, opt option at like fifteen mil next year and all of a sudden you look around and the team of position players is kind of going to be the team. Like it's, uh, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, look at that. They've got Ben and and yeah, Ben, ben and and Jimenez and Robert and a uh, burger and Moncada who they have to keep. And Vaughn is like, there'll be a new catcher and a new pitching staff. They don't want to strip it all the way down. Cause they don't, it didn't work. Um, so I, I, I guess, I guess the question is if they keep all of this and they try to spend thoughtfully in the off season, could they be competitive? It's sort of the way they've looked at it other than the six years of this rebuild, frankly. 
Um, I would say a, a theoretical team in that division could become competitive pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I don't know that I'm saying that the White Sox, who have not managed to do it when they had better, they had better teams, frankly, by, uh, talent-wise on paper. Um, there's something missing uh, in that organization, and I, I can't really put my finger on it. I, I tend to blame uh, player development. But, you know, Vaughn came through that system, and he's pretty good. And, you know, it's not completely uh, on player development. Maybe the pitching side of player development uh, needs some improvement uh, because you really should be turning out uh, some arms on your own Mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of going and getting them all the time. Uh, But there's something something there that uh, makes me skeptical. And on the market, yes, they did actually pretty good in the Giolito deal. By packaging two rentals, they got a catcher that's in double A, uh, has really good strikeout and walk rates. But the question is, is he really a catcher? And, um, you know, they may still have to wait a while for him because catchers take a while to to put that finishing touch on. Any case, um, normally when you have to trade Dylan Cease to get real prospects, you know, to to get a young major leaguer or to, you know, to, to get a bevy of, of really top-end prospects because that those years of team control, that's what uh, what teams covet. Eno Saras from The Athletic is our guest here on The Score. All right, so with the Cubs making this incredible push here at the final moment, having won eight in a row, and they're two games over five they they're three and a half out of first place. Um, I think they will buy, and that should be fun. Maybe they'll buy a lefty reliever, um, which they desperately need. Maybe they'll buy a power bat who can play the corners if there's one available. Um, <clears throat> if, first of all, um, do, you, do you agree that that's what they're going to do on, on the fringes? And will they also keep Cody Bellinger? I think they will. Um, yeah, you know, it is funny. I think I, I, my colleague, Britt Giroli, made the argument that the trade deadline should be later um, with more teams in it and uh, just, you know, they don't have the waiver process they used to. There's a lot of things that are kind of different now. And teams right now, it's like, what have we done in the last three games is part of the, part of the factor of, you know, are we going to go for it or not? And uh, yeah. they seem to be trending well. And so I do think they might buy. And the other thing, factor is that that's another bad division where the uh the the reds i think will regress you know they need uh a lot more pitching than they'll probably get in you know a couple trades at the deadline and the brewers offense is pretty terrible you know i just honestly that's just a bad offense and they've already made one pickup to try and approve it but they need like two more bats (laughs) so I think it's a gettable division. I think that's I think that's the right move for the Cubs. Yeah, I, I think so. On the Stroman thing, I've I've been obsessed with a certain kind of possible trade, and I don't. Is there a word? Is there a name of it? Like a two way trade where you're not selling, you're not buying. I'm thinking Jerry Depoto from a couple years ago when Kendall Graveman got traded, and everybody freaked out, but he brought in some other pieces, and they still made the playoffs. Um, I, I'm thinking. Uh, when when the Red Sox traded Nomar Garciaparo, who was going to be a free agent to the Cubs, and the Red Sox fans freaked out, but they brought in Orlando Cabrera and Doug Mankiewicz, played great defense and won and won a World Series. You know, like is there is there a way that they sell on Stroman and get something because he's tricky? There's no comp pick, and I don't think they want him to pick up the option necessarily if he's bad the rest of the way. Uh, it's sell on Stroman, but also kind of get something that helps them on the year. Is there a name for that trade, and is that a possibility? Yes. 
There is a name for that. It's the most popular phrase uh, from GMs that you'll ever hear. Threading the needle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, a, a similar one in, in basketball is the two-timeline approach. Uh, the win now plus win later. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's possible, and I think every GM kind of wants to do some version of that. But with particularly with Stroman, I think one piece of instruction that we have on this is Carlos Rodon last year at the deadline had an option uh, and no, there was no agreement. Uh, the Giants looked like obvious sellers, and they couldn't find an agreement on value. And I think that's just because you're like, if he gets hurt, then he picks up the option. And then I have a hurt pitcher for this, all this money. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want, I don't want to, uh, you know, back myself into a corner. So, you know, maybe there's some conversations to be had where it's like, can we force him to pick it up? So we, we you know, GMs also want cost certainty and, and Marcus Stroman represents cost uncertainty. Mm. So uh, boy, so that's not, that's so not that appetizing uh, out there. Like, like uh, of the pitchers who are still out there, you think the cleanliness of a straight rental like Jordan Montgomery or Jack Flaherty or, you know, those kind of things are more appetizing than Stroman at this point? I do think so. I mean, even uh, the Rangers, uh, you know, getting Max Scherzer, uh, part of the trade negotiation is what, were, what are you going to do with that option, dude? Um, and, he, and he exercised it, and I think that changed the amount of money that the Mets were sending to the Rangers. Wow. So, yeah, uh, that makes all the sense in the world. Talking to Eno Saris from The Athletic. So, um, it, it's interesting. You wrote about J.P. France and Clark Schmidt and some of these young starters uh, and their pitch development process. I was reeling, though, with J.P. France and, like, Chaz McCormick. These are more cheap players that seem to be saving the Astros. Like, they're, they're just really good at that, aren't they? Of just, like, finding players. Oh, my play- God. <laughs> It, it's they're so good at it. It's so it's so annoying because you know Chaz McCormick is this right-hander who has the most closed stance in baseball. Just he, his foot, his front foot is just you know it's so bizarre looking. And he hits lasers to the opposite field. Last year uh, in opposite field home runs, it was Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and then Chaz McCormick. Uh, and so what, what do they do even at the major league level? They take this guy and they make him more upright. They change his stance a little bit. And now he's pulling homers too. And he looks like a complete player, like a total, like above average center fielder that they got with like a 30 round pick or something. You know, it's like they, they always do this. The, their entire starting rotation was cost like 20, like 70,000 in, in bonus money when they had Javier and, and Promber and Arkady and all these guys. And, the, and they did it by going down to Latin America and saying, where are all the 20 year olds? Where are all the 19 year olds, the old guys, Yeah, you know, and giving them $5,000 and coaching them up. But they, they're really good at not only there's two things that are really important for player development. One is have an idea. So like research and know, like, this is what we want. We, we take these types of fastballs and do this with it. And we do, we do that with this type of player, but also listen to the player. And so, you know, that's the, that's the key part is that you're not going to do the same thing with J.P. France that you do with Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown came with Velo, and you're trying to shape pitches around that. J.P. France had to tear it all down. He, he doesn't look anything like the, the pitcher that he was in college. 
Um, and it's kudos to them for seeing some raw material there and then and, and helping the player shape it. So, so you dream of being an organization like that, that's super smart, and the Cubs had a moment where it was like, oh, I think they are, and then it kind of fell back a little bit. And now with Craig Breslow and Justin Stone, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more um, creativity going on, I think, than there was a few years back uh, when things had gotten a little bit stale. They just used an opener for the first time last week, you know, <laughs> first time think, ever. You know, I, I think there's some, uh, you know, some innovation coming out of Chicago, even the, uh, the cut ride fastball that, uh, that Justin Steele throws. Uh, the first time I sort of became aware of that as like a positive in fastball shape uh, was through the Chicago organization. So wow. um, I think they're, yeah, I think they're, 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 at, they're definitely improving. I think their pitching development has taken a real step forward. Um, and I still have hope for Matt Mervis and, and, and stuff. I just don't know. Uh, we're still kind of waiting for, you know, the, the last post Ian Happ, uh, you know, Nico Horner. I think they're good at developing everything. They're so far so good, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it, it's interesting. So they used an opener for Drew Smiley. And that's happened before. I, I happened to do the research. Like um, in Atlanta, they did it with Jesse Chavez opening for Drew Smiley. So they did Michael Fulmer for Drew Smiley last time. Then they did last night. They did Hayden Wesneski for Drew Smiley or two nights ago. So and Wesneski. Hayden, it wasn't a true opener situation. Didn't Hayden go two or something? He went two. But guess what? Fulmer went two also the first time they did it. Oh, interesting. So, so yeah, because. But they're different people, as as you're you're hinting at, and that's what I'm wondering. Like, if they don't add uh, a starting pitcher and they do some other ads on the fringes, I the Wesneski Smiley double up, and it doesn't have to be a true opener, like three or four innings from Hayden, it's and more then like a piggyback. Yeah, yeah, a piggyback. Is anybody doing the piggyback these days? The closest I can think of is the San Francisco Giants. They have uh, Jake Junis and Sean Manaya, uh, lefty-righty guys that go three innings now. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they deploy them behind uh, and around Alex Wood, who's now become kind of a four-inning lefty. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the, the Rays, it's the Rays tree of innovation where they said, you know, players, pitchers aren't, you know, naturally six-inning guys or one-inning guys. There's got to be stuff in between. And uh, they figured out there are, there are two, three, four inning guys. And I think the Giants are really pushing the envelope on that. Uh, but uh, it's good to see the Cubs do it. It's a little annoying as a fan, though, because <laughs> I think one of the things you ask when you go to the park is, who's pitching tonight? And if my answer is, well, I think it's Alex Wood and then maybe a little bit of Ross Stripling. And <laughs> I know, I know it is, but sometimes that's the way the sport evolves, you know? And as long as it's not, you're not, you're not doing all the way across. It, it's, it's so, it's, it's so weird, but yeah, no, I, I'd love to see because, and that would make sense. Cause like they were trying to do that with Keegan Thompson and with Albert Alzali for a while, like these multiple inning yeah, relief pieces, were. you know, but mm-hmm. boy, but sometimes the traditional roles, man, like Adbert, who Adbert has found himself as a closer, Eno. Oh, he is such a good closer. What, uh, we should have maybe seen that coming, but you know he's definitely good there. He 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 loves it. He thrives. Yeah. He's got swagger. He's got vibes. And like, why do you say he's a good closer? Has the stuff jumped in that role for him? I haven't noticed that. Necessarily. Yeah, I think I think one of the, the problem, the, one of the the issues with him as a starter was just pushing the arsenal full enough. 
You know, uh, there, he was always a guy that, that Stuff Plus liked. Um, but, you know, Stuff Plus sometimes um, has problems with, like, you know, Graham Ashcraft in Cincinnati where, you know, his two pitches are awesome, but they're one's better against lefties and one better against righties. So he's almost a one-pitch pitcher against lefties and righties, you know. Um, and so that's why his high stuff hasn't really turned into starting. Graham Ashcraft could be an amazing closer, you know. Um, so, you know, I think that was the same sort of situation that Alvale was like, I think it was maybe the command on, the, on some of the secondary pitches or just making a full enough arsenal to turn everything over. He would, he could have been a good three inning guy too. I mean, and that, he was doing fine in that, but maybe his personality also uh, ties in well to the closer role and getting that jump of adrenaline and jumping out there with like a, you know, a walkout song and everything. That, that, that's fascinating. That stuff plus might end up being a tool that helps you find like the closers on the fringes because because you're finding hundred percent right it's it's actually more powerful for relievers because relievers are tied to their stuff in a, in a in a very obvious manner like when relievers lose velo they lose strikeout rate when starters lose velo they don't always lose strikeout rate that's what the, that's in the numbers because starters are like oh I'm gonna start using my fastball less I'm gonna feature my cutter I'm gonna do some this I'm gonna add a sink I'm you know like yeah starters are you know they have a whole kitchen sink of things to do you know to to deal with velocity decline pitcher the relievers are often i have two pitches and one of them now goes a tick slower i'm not going to be as good as i was hmm. so stuff plus is very powerful you know numerically with with relievers and uh and with starters you it's a little bit more of a field process that was what that piece was about too is like clark schmidt saying i used to come out and almost want to maximize my stuff plus and just throw the pitches that stuff plus said was good uh, but then I realized, you know, maybe sometimes I have to throw a sinker or a sweeper to lefties. The numbers say don't do that, but maybe I have to do that because otherwise I'm a two-pitch pitcher to lefties, and then I become predictable, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's such such good stuff. Um, all right, you've been generous with your time. Thank you. I won't ask you to go through the lefty relievers that the Cubs should target. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know enough about chasing Shreve these days and Brooks Raley. I, I know Aaron. Throw them all on Fangraphs and then and, and put the stuff. There's stuff plus on Fangraphs, and you can do a little sort. I would, I would assume, uh, just without thinking about it too hard, that Brooks Raley is at the top. Okay. All right. Well, well, good. And he's a former Cub. We'll get him. We'll get Rich Hill. We'll get Jamer Candelario. And, and we'll get Daniel Vogelbach. We'll put the band back together. And make a run, baby. Let's go. Thanks. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad set of players to get. <laughs> right? Why not? Why not? That would be pretty hilarious. Uh, there you go. Right, well, let's see. If it happens, I'll call you back. Thank you, Eno. All right, thanks. All right, man. Right, appreciate you. That's Eno Saris from The Athletic. <laughs> Credit to the texture threw those four out there. And then we throw it at Eno. That's that's how we do it around these parts. I Boy. love that he gets annoyed with some of the bulk reliever stuff. Because <laughs> he knows as a fan, it kind of sucks. Like, who's starting? Well, it's Jake Junis and Alex Wood are going to piggyback. I was trying to explain why Hayden Wisniewski only won two innings to my girlfriend a couple nights ago. She's like, was he bad? I was like, well, no, he did what he was supposed to do. She's yeah. like, well, why is he? He's, he's not going to go get? Yeah. Like, no. No. But but he should go longer than a normal opener. They should do a piggyback if they're going to do it. Yeah. And, and, and that way, I mean, you can get Smiley to the 7th or the 8th. I mean, I know he got into the 7th because he pitched well. They took him out at 57 pitches, I think it was, yeah. for Smiley. So it's like – and as a starting pitcher, as a manager, you have to deal with the ego of a starting pitcher. And you have to deal with a clubhouse saying – 
what are we doing? This is uh, this is who does this? Whose idea is this? Uh, are we panicking? What's going on here? Like that's a real thing, right? And then like that's the that's the personal level that a manager has to deal with. Um, no matter no matter where the idea comes from. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you are with. This is Hit and Run. Chris Kampka will join us in about 20 minutes or so, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. James Fegan will talk a little White Sox with us in the noon hour, and we'll reset the table as the Cubs go for their ninth straight win in St. Louis. The reeling, stinking Cardinals are in trouble, and the Cubs are... Are, are trying to finish them off here before the deadline. That game, pregame starts at about 12.45. We're here until then. When we come back, though, an impressive level of idiocy about how trades can and cannot work around Major League Baseball, you'll hear it on Hit and Run on the score. We're back with more. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! On 670, the score. No crying! Full count pitch. Got him swinging! Eight for Otani this afternoon. This would be the first complete game shutout, and there it is. Shohei Otani goes all nine. Some clapping for Shohei, who goes to the opposite field. Get going, yeah! His major league leading 37th. Oh, Oh, he got another one. Get going. Otani has done it again. Santa Maria. Complete game shutout. Check. Two homers in the nightcap. Check. Matt Vaskersian sounding good on those calls. Sounding real good. Like him better when he's uh, doing the local and enthused like that. That was fun stuff to hear. At Shohei Otani with a complete game shutout and the two homers on the same freaking day. Just absolutely unbelievable. And as we know, um, Shohei Otani is not going to be traded. The Angels are going all in. We'll see if they do some more between now and the deadline. Uh, having decided that they must go for it. Um, there is a really bad thought that has picked up momentum somehow. It is an incorrect and horrific thought because just, just to reset it in the NBA and the NFL, you can trade draft picks. You can trade first round draft picks. You can trade multiple ones. There are restrictions. NFL. I think three is the most you can do it except for on draft day when you can trade four, I believe is the case noted football man. Danny Parkins taught me that. Um, in the NBA, there's similar restrictions, which I don't know because we don't have a noted NBA man. Apologies to Dr. NBA and to the hoops junkie Shane Reardon. But here's the thing. You can't trade draft picks in baseball. You just can't do it. Well, uh, Alex Rodriguez was not clear on that as a concept. 
for two months. I just don't think we've seen the player of this mag- magnitude that's going to impact at the level he's going. I just don't even know what the trade value is, and I don't think anybody does. It, it, I, think, it's a, go yeah, ahead. I think here's the thought that I would think about if I was, if I was the Angels, I would want to get a bunch of draft picks. I want to load up my farm system. If Let's just say if Seattle. Seattle would have to sign them before the trade. So they would That's, have to I, I, Now you're talking. Right? Okay. And yeah. then if I'm the angel, I'm saying, okay, you're going to take um, Otani, but I also want to give you some of my bad contracts. Rendon. Right. So if I can unload a few or, or one big one and take that off the books, plus refurnish my, my minor league system, get some draft picks and get maybe a piece or two, now you got something. Oh, now, now you got something, except that's not allowed by the laws of the universe and MLB. I'm so glad we played the long version there, Sean, where he circles back to it, just throws in the draft picks again like it's a thing. Like, oh, you used that to, to bulk it up. No, you can't do that. That's Alex Rodriguez on Brett Boone's podcast. Uh, Colin Coward has a television show and a partner, Jason McIntyre. That guy's a... Yeah. So anyway, Coward and McIntyre uh, were talking about what they would trade for Shohei Otani. Do you know how much you could get for Otani? I, I'm guessing. I, I'm not. I'm a casual. Five first round picks, <laughs> your best prospect, your third best prospect, and two solid starters. Well, given how poorly the Angels have done in the draft recently, yeah. I would rather just take best prospects. Like, give me your best three guys in the farm system, Yankees. Give them to me now. Otani's yours. You're not going to take any draft picks? I, I guess I would take a couple picks, but I want immediate prospects that are going to help me now. All right, three best prospects, three number one picks. Would you move him? I would certainly, yeah. I mean, but I'm I'm like you. I want to win. It's in my. Well, you can't you can't trade. It says here you can't trade draft picks. Oh my! I'm a baseball casual, so Oof. you can't trade draft picks. So, so you'd get the Yankees' three best prospects. I'm not doing it for that. I'm going to get three prospects, and you get the best player in well, baseball it's, history. It's rooted. Oh my God! Well, at least Colin admits he's a baseball casual, and he did say it up top too. Those shows don't talk baseball. They do not. They, they, th- those national shows do not. So it's easy to sound stupid when you don't know the, the, the rules. And, ugh. But the fact that, like, both of them, neither one of them know, I'm not surprised that McIntyre doesn't know. There's a lot that that man does not know. Five draft picks. Five draft five, picks. Five picks. It's seven. Make it seven. Six, six seven. Um, our own Bruce Levine yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse was talking about Shohei Otani because as the Cubs here are figuring out what they're going to do this year, the offseason and Otani's courtship looms. The Chicago Cubs will be among the players for Shohei Otani when he turns free agent in November. I don't think it's any shocking news. I don't think it's any breaking news. I just think it's appropriate news that a big market team like the Chicago Cubs are going to be interested in the Shohei Otani market going forward, according to industry sources, this fall. So, again, this isn't anything earth-shattering other than the fact that I do have knowledge that Cubs want to continue to be the Chicago Cubs. They want to be world champions in the future, and Otani's tires will be kicked by the organization. Good. Absolutely should. You never know. I, I can't. I'd be shocked if it's anything other than the Angels or the Dodgers. I think it's going to be the Dodgers, but it could be the Angels. Wayne Randazzo is very close to it. 
told us on Friday on Parkinson Spiegel that he thinks the Angels have a better shot than other people do, especially if they make a little push here and 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 do and do some winning because Shohei values comfort and happiness. But if he really wants winning to go along with comfort and happiness, all he has to do is go to the Dodgers. Why, why would you go to New York and disrupt your life and enter a crazy, you know, fray? Why would you go to Seattle and bet on another organization you don't know anything about? You could go to the Cubs where your good friend Seiya Suzuki tells you it's a good time. It's a good place. It's good fun. So, I mean, that's – you can dream. Tell you the truth, like, I feel like the Cubs would have an easier job selling – Shohei on the specialness and the winning and the health of the organization than just about any other team. The Yankees and all the drama, who would want that? Who would want the New York drama? And he's already like, he's already dealt with that in Japan. Like he was literally a superstar. Like, you know, like Shohei Otani in Japan is like, you know, who's on billboards here? You know, like Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's the kind of comp you have. So I I think he's LA either way. Um, But the Cubs should kick the tires. All right. Big news. Um, it, It is now public. Jesse Rogers has reported and here's the story. The Cubs have told... Opposing teams, that outfielder and free agent to be, Cody Bellinger, will not be traded, according to sources familiar with the situation. Folks, I led the show at the very top, declaring the Cubs are buyers. And I think they will be buyers for like a lefty relief, a lefty reliever they very much need. Maybe a righty reliever too, we'll see. Possible power bat to play third base and or first base or do some DHing. Um, and we'll see if there's anything else. Starting pitcher is conceivable, although the double up, the half opener, half piggyback of Wesneski and Drew Smiley could be thought of as your number five starter option. We'll see. Maybe they will go out and get a starting pitcher. And Drew Smiley will be sent on his way. That's that's entirely possible as well. But we'll see. And then what they do with Marcus Stroman, notably not in this story. I'm sure the same source is familiar with the situation where we're asked about Stroman. But the story from Jesse Rogers is this, that Bellinger will not be traded. Awesome. He shouldn't be. couple things here. One, the Cubs have forced the hand and played really, really good baseball at a time when they absolutely had to. Maybe it was the last possible minute. But they've done it. And now their front office will go for it. Perhaps even forced by the players to do so. We had a caller earlier in the, in the show, Daniel from Ukrainian Village, saying that he thought the, uh, the Cubs should sell on Bellinger, reload on prospects. They're not good enough and all that. I understand, but I, I, the, the team has rendered that impossible. He don't give an F about nothing. So that's one thing. The second thing is that, to me, and I've said this before, Cody Bellinger has proven to be a guy that you should try and re-sign. So enjoy these couple of months. Let him play his ass off. Hopefully you make a push and win the division. And then talk to him and try to keep him. That is a gold glove caliber center fielder or first baseman who is a run producer from the left side that you desperately need. And he's one of those hitters who's capable of using the A hack to drive a ball at the right time and using a B hack to go the other way at the right time. 
and is also selfless enough to not care what it does to his numbers. He does the right things. He's got bat control. He's what you tried to turn everybody into. And he just is that when he's going. And you figured out his happy place. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he signs an extension. And if not, you get the comp pick, and you still made the right choice. So there's your news, and we will certainly uh, talk about it along the way. We're here for another hour. And in the next hour, James Fegan will talk White Sox with us, and we'll also reset the scene for the resurgent Cubs who are not trading Cody Bellinger. Lots to come here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. When we come back, Chris Kampka has a nugget for both sides of town, and we'll talk some leadoff hitters as well with the Sultan of Stad himself on Hit and Run on The Score. Every week on Hit and Run, we get Cam connected with Chris Kamka, who loves baseball. He knows baseball, likes to research baseball. And we've got a doozy to throw at him that he has no idea is coming. But we also love whatever he chooses to bring. He has carte blanche, the Sultan of Stat, to bring us something on each side of town. All guests appear on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Chris Kampka, good morning, soon to be good afternoon. How are you, sir? Uh, good morning. I am well, and it is a nice nice Sunday afternoon, ready for some baseball. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, um, I, you know, it's interesting. I thought the White Sox played real good defense yesterday for a while, and it was like, well, where's this been? Where, where, where's this been? It's just really weird. I mean, so through entering Friday, they threw 924 innings as a team, and 355 and two-thirds of that was traded. So that's 38.5% of your pitching staff was traded, and then you go ahead and outscore your team 10-2 to 2 over the next two combined games. <laughs> Baseball makes no sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, and on the small scale, it makes no sense. You have to extrapolate it. But every day they play on the small scale, and so it makes you nuts. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it would have been wonderful to see this kind of play earlier in the season, but eh, sometimes you just just get what you get. Yeah, sometimes you get what you get is right. Um, uh, So tell me about uh, the White Sox first since we started there. I know you have a Cubs thing, and I got a couple other things to throw at you, but tell me about the White Sox at home, if you would, because I was watching them. And found it a very fun game to watch yesterday, actually. I, I think looking at the big picture going forward in the next season, I think what, one thing we really need to focus on is figuring out who's able to hit at this ballpark in guaranteed right field because we've got a big problem. Over the last two seasons, there has been 19 instances where a team has scored 10 or more runs, 19 instances. 17 were the opponents. Um We've only scored 10 or more runs in this ballpark twice over the last two years. We've got to figure out how we can score more runs here and what kind of bats are better suited to hit here. Um, That's got to be the biggest focus going into next season, Hmm. aside from getting the pitching back that you traded. Yeah. 
I, I mean, it, but but what makes it tough is that a lot of the position players are are going to be here. It looks like you know a lot of a lot of the guys that are here are, are going to be here unless something happens in the next two days that surprises me. Yeah, I mean they've hit fifty-seven home runs at home this year. Wow! If you take out Berger, Robert, and Vaughn, only fifteen by everybody else. Oh boy! At home this year, so we got to find guys who can get the ball over the fence. Yeah, uh, right. they've been out homered at home fifty-seven to seven or seventy-five fifty-seven this year. Wow! Last year it was ninety-eight seventy-seven. So over the course of the last two years combined, they've been out homered by thirty nine. Oh my goodness, it's it's that's brutal. Something has broken in the offense, or maybe it was broken from the get go. Well, but it's certainly been broken the last two years. Um, all right, flip sides for me. Uh, Dansby Swanson is a defensive marvel and one of my favorite shortstops. I've gotten a chance to watch with consistency defensively. What what do you see about him uh, overall? Well, I'm going to talk about some of his offense, and there is no better way to endear yourself to a new team than what Dansby Swanson has done. Now, we're got, the Cubs have won eight in a row. I'm going to talk about the streak that was snapped. Dansby Swanson, entering yesterday's game, had 10 straight games in a row with an RBI against the Cardinals, nine of those games with the Cubs. Um, the last Cub to have an RBI in th- um, nine straight games or more against the Cardinals, you have to go all the way back to a guy who's better known as a Cardinal. Rogers Hornsby in 1929 wow. had an RBI in 13 straight games against the Cardinals in a Cub uniform. That's how far back you have to go. That, it's pretty amazing. That is phenomenal. And when you think about it offensively, Dansby starts out on fire at the beginning of the year, and that makes a great impression that holds for a while. And then, yeah, an RBI in every game against the Cardinals is a pretty valuable thing to show the fans. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, no Cub has had an RBI in nine straight games against any single opponent since Sammy Sosa did so against the Brewers in 99-2000. Wow. Sosa owning the Brewers and Dansby appearing to own the Cardinals. That's excellent stuff. Um, All right, I told you I wanted to throw this at you. Is Ronald Acuna Jr. going to end up having the best leadoff season of all time? Ricky Henderson in 1990 had 28 homers and 87 stolen bases. He had a weighted on base of 435. Right now, Acuna's weighted on base is 422. Um, The WRC Plus, we looked at this too, the best leadoff season WRC Plus ever is Mike Trout in 2012 at 167. Acuna Jr.'s WRC Plus right now is 166. So he's awfully close to, to ending up there. He's up there. Um, you know, as crazy as I'd love to bring up the goal, my opinion, what well, might be the gold standard in seasons as a leadoff hitter. And it's an unconventional one at that. It's the old Brady Anderson, 1996. Wow. Yeah, now he only played 102 games leadoff, which is how many games Acuna has so far this year leadoff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 50 homers, 110 RBIs, and 21 stolen bases overall. Now he played some of those games in the two spot and so on. But, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. 50 homers and, you know, 21 steals is fine, but I think a home run is worth, what, four stolen bases at least? <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, give me, give me all those homers. I mean, we, last time we talked – 
talked about the importance of getting ahead in the first inning, scoring first. And, and, and the Braves are doing just that, by the way. The Braves are just staggering in the first inning. Yeah, They have a, they have a run differential first inning of plus 71. Oh. The next highest is 35. Oh, my God. First inning run differential plus 71. Next highest is 35. That's what happens when you've got Ronald Acuna and everybody else that they have. Oh, my goodness. Just psychologically what that does to a team. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to quantify a home run versus stolen base, but four seems like a sensible number to choose, you know? It's I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, there is an, there is an answer. You know, there's um, <laughs> linear weights and there's, there's run values per event. And there is an answer to that question. Yeah. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I would guess it's somewhere around four. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. All right. Then last thing, we've been dreaming um, of a Cubs-Cardinals trade here. Okay? So here's, here's my first thought. Jordan Hicks, the closer, for Jordan Wicks, the Cubs prospect. So you've got Jordan Wicks for Jordan Hicks. Then I thought maybe they could throw in Jordan Montgomery, the fifth starter, as it, to be a starting pitcher, and the Cubs would perhaps throw in Jordan and Wogu, um, the uh, the the prospect outfielder. But that might mean that they need somebody else. So how about Jordan Walker, the Cardinals' right fielder, which I know is asking a lot. So then we'd have to go find another Jordan. You said there's another one, right? Jordan Levi. Yeah. Yeah, there's Michael Jordan who hit his first minor league home run on this day in 1994. Uh, so there's that. So um, I got five Jordans right now in a trade, and of course two makes a pair of Jordans. So I don't know. Can you help me with this at all? Have there ever been no. Have there ever been three Jordans in a trade, or even just oh, wow? Right? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. How about two? Has a Jordan ever been traded for a Jordan? Or I bet you, I bet you that's happened probably as part of a package deal. And I, I'll get back to you on that. All right, thank you. Or, or Jordan, Jordan Wicks for Jordan Hicks has one letter ever separated people who have been traded for each other. There's that one too. You know, I can't, I can't imagine that has ever happened. Yeah, I can't imagine it either. Um, all right, last thing for you. I found out today from Peter Gammons on Twitter that. Uh, Scott Fletcher was the favorite player for George W. Bush. He loved Scott yes. Fletcher. Did you know yes. that? And he named and he named his dog Spot Fletcher. <laughs> That's what I found out, but you already know and, it. And and it's and it's I confirmed it too because you know how I asked I asked Scott Fletcher's son-in-law whether or not this is true, <laughs> Gordon Beckham, and he told me yes. It is indeed true, and I was really excited because that's such a cool nugget. I forgot that Beckham was Scott Fletcher's son-in-law. Uh, that's excellent. Yes, Spot Fetcher was the dog. It's, it's, God, that tickles me to no end. See, I, it's I, amazing. I, I try to throw something at Chris Kamka, but he's already got. He's already got it. He, 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 how can you catch something you already have? Kamka, you're the best. Have a great day. Lucky. Yeah, man. All right, you too, speak. All right, buddy. We'll see you. That's Chris Kamka. Oh man, Spot Fetcher. But, yeah, th there's a lot of good stuff in there. You see why that, that dude is just, he's my favorite. Just knew off the top of his head that Jordan hit his first home run. <laughs> On this date in 1994. Well, because I'm sure he's prepping it um, for the broadcast. But how about, the, uh, how about the, the home run being worth four stolen bases is so adorably probably correct. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, yeah. Checks out, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. 
Big Cubs news that we will reset for you. And James Fegan of the Sun-Times will talk White Sox as well. Bonus hit and run till 1240 here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.